Hey folks, and welcome back to another edition of Fire and Ice Sports. It is Monday, December 27th, the first day, uh, first weekday after Christmas, and we are here in the studio watching some Monday Night Football. As it sits right now, the Miami Dolphins are leading by a score of 17-3. As always, my name is Evan Smoke, and a second year at the University of Georgia, your resident fire here on the show. And about three inches to my left versus three hours southeast is the localized Bryce Wheeler. Bryson, how are we doing this post-Christmas Monday? Doing great. I'm about to cash on my parlay, so that's always a great thing. It's always a great beginning to, um, you know, make some money. But, hey, we're, we're going to skip the trivia question today. Don't have our usual helpers in the studio, but that's all right. We're going to drive right into college basketball. Bryson, take it away. Yeah, we do have a lot to talk about. Lots of college football, especially with the bowl games coming up. But, uh, yes, we'll jump into college basketball real quick here. And the first game I want to talk about is Tennessee and Arizona play the other night. Matchup of really good teams. You know, I like these early matchups that we've been getting some really good ones. Uh, Tennessee's been looking really good, just like most of the SEC. Arizona was actually undefeated coming into this game. Arizona was, or Tennessee was a two and a half point favorite, which was kind of shocking. Didn't really make sense, so you know what you always do? You bet it if it makes no sense. Tennessee was up a lot early in this game, ended up only winning by four. But Tennessee looks like a really good team. This Fulkerson kid, John Fulkerson, who feels like He's been there forever at Tennessee. has 24 points, plays a really good game. Vescovi had 15 to go well. Vescovi feels like he's been forever. But what are your thoughts on Tennessee and the rest of the SEC basketball as they early in the year? Well, I mean, Tennessee had a really good win versus um, Arizona the other day. You know, I mean, really, you know, you got to have those top two wins, especially going into the SEC uh, gauntlet that the entire league is going to have to go through. The SEC basketball has definitely took a step up this year. Well, I mean, we don't have that clear-cut, you know, favorite to win the league, but that's fine because in other ways, the ACC and the Big Ten for years have had multiple top 25 teams, and the SEC's just had, like, maybe a Tennessee and Kentucky or a Tennessee and Florida or, you know, Kentucky and Florida, you know, two or three good, decent teams. But this year it seems like everybody in college basketball is full throttle, um, ready to play because there's no clear-cut favorite. I mean, I would have took Gonzaga at the beginning of the year, but they've kind of mellowed out. Everybody looks... Like, they could win March Madness, you know, here in a couple months. But, um, you know, really great showing for the SEC. Um, this gauntlet of a schedule, you're going to really see some great games as we move into conference here. Yeah, absolutely. And we'll get to that in just a minute because conference play starts Wednesday. But I also want to touch on Kentucky, who seems to be hitting their stride right now. Had a 35-point win over Western Kentucky. But that's not really what I want to talk about. I want to talk about Oscar Shibway, the West Virginia transfer, who had 28 rebounds. He didn't even play part of the second half because they were up so much. Had 14 points. The man's averaging 16 and 16 this year and absolutely should be in player of the year consideration. Kentucky looks really good. Ty Washington had 20. Kellen Grady's an absolute shooter at 23. What are your thoughts on Kentucky? Uh, Kentucky's just another team like Tennessee that are, you know, that are positioned themselves well in the non-conference schedule and are just going to have to survive this gauntlet. Uh, Kentucky and Tennessee both will probably be in the top 16 teams. You know, those are the first... Seeds we get released, you know, come, you know, late February and such. I imagine both of those teams will be there. Both of those teams will probably be in the Final Four of the SEC tournament, if not the championship. Um, it'll be a really competitive down-the-stretch match, you know, between the Volunteers and the Wildcats. Yeah, and I want to ask you, with conference play starting Wednesday, who do you have winning the SEC out of, you know, Kentucky, Bama, Tennessee, Florida, Arkansas, or do you have an upset? Um, I'd probably have... Arkansas versus Kentucky. 
I think that's where I'm going. I would coin flip at that point, you know, to see who would win. I'm going to pick Kentucky to win the SEC. Uh, Auburn's a team I forgot too up there, but I'm going to go with Kentucky. I think they're really about to hit stride right now. I think they're just missing one piece. They're missing that just guy who can go get you 30 or 40 a night. Not every night, but, you know, every now and then. They don't have that right now. Ty Washington's very close, I think, but Sheboy down low is really good. Kellen Grady, great shooter. Severe Wheeler's been a great ball distributor. I think they're about to hit stride. Severe Wheeler makes me sad every time I hear his name. <laughs> Absolutely, the Georgia transfer. But let's jump into the NBA real quick. And, you know, we had a good slate of NBA games on Christmas Day. And I'll talk about those. The first one, you had the Hawks lose, but, you know, they were very depleted. Most of, A lot of these teams were really depleted. You had the Bucks beat the Celtics by four in a close one. Good comeback win. The Warriors just look as the best team in the NBA. The Nets, as they were missing Kevin Durant, still beat the Lakers, who look terrible right now. And then the Jazz beat the Mavericks in the nightcap in a really good one. What are your thoughts on some of those games? Yeah, the Hawks game, I didn't really um, – I mean, I watched it, you know, being a fan of myself, but it was just – Never was really good play on either side of the ball. You know, the Knicks were just healthier, and they had they had their stars there. I mean, the Hawks really didn't get any consistent play out of Collins or Bogey. I think our leading scorer was still – I mean, let me tell you that. Not Collins. I mean, Capella and Bogey. I mean, Capella was out there running around for 33 minutes, scoring three points. Never going to win like that. Collins had a decent game. DeLon Wright stepped up. He scored 20. But just, you know, never were really in the game. Um so we move on. I congrats to the Bucks and Giannis's return. They come back and beat the Celtics. Um, I, you know, Warriors get a win over the Suns, which continues to look like the Western Conference Finals preview. Um, Lakers storm back, but Nets with Nicholas Claxton dunking all over LeBron, which is you know always a good thing to see out of a Georgia project. You know, both of the, both of that games, um, you know, was depleted, and the Lakers have a real problem right now. I mean, they're Anthony Davis is hurt. They're getting inconsistent play out of Russell Westbrook, the bench is still depleted with COVID. I mean, LeBron's averaging 30 points in the last five games, and they're 0-6. I mean, excuse me, he's averaging like 28 in the last six games, and it's, you know, they're 0-6. Yeah, LeBron's been playing really well of late, but he just can't carry this whole team. Russell Westbrook has not been the piece that they thought that he was going to be. I think they need to get rid of him. Anthony Davis has got to just stay healthy and get to play him better. He's struggling right now, not the player that we thought he would be. That they're missing some pieces right now. And while I'm on this topic with the Lakers' struggles, do you think they're still a championship contender? No. Do you think no. they can be if they, you know, get rid of Westbrook maybe? No. I, I, don't, I, don't, see, I don't see any way. Like, what even could you – because if you trade Westbrook at the deadline, at most what can you go get? Maybe a C.J. McCollum. Maybe a Ben Simmons. You know – you know, neither of those pieces are really going to make you a championship contender. I think the best thing you maybe ever could swing is if you could get Porzingis out of, out of Dallas. But then you've got him and AD competing for stuff in the front court. Like, there's just no clear-cut trade. They traded their bench depth. And, like, you know, we were all crazy when Washington took the trade, you know, because we were like, ah. Oh. But, I mean, Kuzma's played pretty well. Montrez Harrell played like an MVP candidate for the first three weeks of the season. Um, you know, you move past that, and like, there's just some other great teams. Um, I mean, great players that Kentavious Caldwell Pope's a starter for them. So I mean, those three have supplemented, excuse me, the Wizards lineup and their success. You know, throughout the year. 
I would 100% put Lakers in the not contending category right now. And I have one more question for you before you get to anything else in the NBA you want to touch on. And do you think the Hawks are still a contender to maybe not win all? Because I don't think we really thought that was a possibility coming into the year. But to make that deep run like they did last year. No, I don't. Um, there's two big problems that um, I'm seeing at the Hawks. A, we're inconsistent. And with that being said, I don't know. Because you're going to dig yourself a hole here. I mean, you're 15 and 18 as of tonight. You're three games under 500. You're not going to get most of your team back until next, the beginning of next week. you got to play the next two games, you know, probably depleted as well. Even if you win one of them, you're probably still going to be three games under 500. You're getting DeAndre Hunter is still hurt. I mean, you know, there's talks of moving Cam Reddish, and if that happens, who knows how big. We might blow up the team at the trade deadline. Not fully, but, you know, more than you would you would expect to see after making an Easter Conference Finals run. Yeah, the defense has been struggling a lot of late. They just don't look like the team that we saw at the end of last year. No, they I hope they can change it around. Yeah, it's, it's not – I wouldn't blame coaching, but it looks like bad coaching. Like, I know it's not McMillan's fault because there's no way he's daylight and dark from what he was. Yeah. But it just looks in that sense. Well, do you have anything else on the NBA you want to touch on? No, I don't, actually. All right, well, let's jump into some college football. And the first thing I want to talk about is UCF wins the battle for the state of Florida. You know, they seem like the best team in the state this year. Props to them for winning it. It was so hard to watch as a Florida fan, not really just because we lost, because, you know, I picked us to lose. But it was just so hard because the play calling – by Greg Knox was the interim coach was terrible to watch. I mean, Emory Jones is awful. He had thirty eight percent completion percentage, the worst in the Gasparillo Bowl history, and we continued to just try to keep throwing deep balls. It was terrible to watch. Like run the ball, run it with Emory, short passes, Malik Davis, Damian Pierce, get them involved in the game. It, it was all, all hard to watch. I'm so glad that the Dan Mullinaire is finally over. I do think we did miss his play calling on the sideline. I think it would have been a much closer game. But I want to talk about Ryan O'Keefe for UCF. He is a beast, and he should return for his senior year next year, I would think. And, you know, if Thomas ends up being the starter down there, that will be a huge piece for Thomas. Ryan O'Keefe's a really good player. Isaiah Bowser had a really good game for UCF. Props to them. What were your thoughts on that game? Uh, you know, just a great team win for UCF. They came out, you know, played harder. And just and kind of like you were saying, like I, I know Mullen's time might have been, you know, done at the school, but they really missed his play style. I mean, you know, excuse me, play call style, you know, Thursday night last week. It, she'll just – it's just rough. Um, I don't understand, you know, how Greg fucking Knox, you know, excuse my language, looks so good um, in the Florida State game play calling, and then this is what we get in the bowl game. It was just not the same – Nothing, everything near each other, you know, close, you know, daylight and dark, you know. So, <sighs> rough rough ending to the season, first losing season, season since 14, 15? No, it is later than that, 17, I think. I think we went, or 16, we went 4 and 8, and then I think 17 we made the SEC championship. We're fully up there. Okay. But, the year before Dan, Dan Mullen got there. So, I think that was 16, because yeah. Kirby's first year was 16. Yes. All right, anyway, so rough times, but we live and you learn, you move on. Um, the Billy Napier area has officially started. Hopefully y'all don't lose to UCF as well. No, and we play them in 2024, and I think by then Billy will have a lot of, you know, his players in, his culture in. I think he'll be a lot 
better game, and I think we'll win that one. But I'll, I want to touch on Billy Napier real quick. I'm not sure yet about if he's going to be elite play caller. That's the last question mark I think he needs to fill. He's going to be a really solid recruiter for us, as we've already seen. He knows how to get a staff in, as Florida's hired a elite staff so far. It's just, can he, because he's going to be the play caller, can he call play cause at elite level is going to be the final question. But let's go ahead and get into some of the future bowl games this week. That We have a lot of big ones coming up. And tomorrow we have Houston versus Auburn. Auburn is a two-point favorite. Bo Nix, as we all know, has transferred out, so TJ Finley will be the starter. Um, what are your thoughts on this one? I actually have Houston pulling the slide upset. In a very close one, I think this is going to be a good one. Probably pretty low scoring, 27-21, 27-24 type game. Houston wins in a close one. What do you have? This is not an upset. Houston should win this game, and they will win this game. I mean, I understand that Auburn's an SEC team, but Houston was a complete top 25 team, you know, year in and year out. And they would have been 12-1 if they had not lost that heartbreaker to Texas Tech in the opening game of the year. So... I'm taking the Cougars here. Never trust T.J. Finley, as we've learned. Um, you know, any other quarterback, and they beat Alabama in that four-overtime game probably. You know, just rough moments, rough times. But, hey, I got the Cougars. I got the Cougars comfortably. Probably seven. Yeah. All right. Well, the next game I want to talk about is Clemson and Iowa State. And if you heard last week's podcast, you know that I picked Clemson to pitch a shutout in this game as my bold prediction. I have Clemson in this one handily, about a 20 nothing win. I think DJ Ongolay plays a little bit better. I think Will Shipley has a good game running the ball. The defense looks absolutely stout, pitches a shutout 20 nothing. What are your thoughts? I think it's going to be closer to that. I still got Clemson handily. I think Clemson scores some more. I think this game could be like a 31-14, 28-10, something like that. I mean, I don't think Clemson's given up many points, but they'll have, you know, two scores, two touchdowns on the board as a cyclone. Well, Brees Hall's out, correct? Correct. Brock Purdy's playing, though, correct. correct? Okay. All right, well, Wednesday, another game that should be pretty interesting is Oregon versus Oklahoma. You know, Oregon's dropped a couple straight against Utah. Oklahoma's been up and down all season. Questions at quarterback for next year. Brent Venables is coming in. So, what are your thoughts on that game? I, I've i probably got Oklahoma. The line's seven. I've probably got Oklahoma by about that. Yeah, I got Oklahoma probably about the line, maybe like right to cover. Um, all that being considered, you know, Oregon still is a very talented team. but There's a lot of disarray in the game, you know, especially. I know both teams are playing in interim coaches, but like, Oklahoma has been a better team all year. They've got Bob Stoops as the interim coach, who is an icon there in Norman. He's going to have these guys ready way more than uh, Brian McClendon uh, for the Oregon Ducks. So I definitely am taking the Sooners to win this game, just be based on talent and, you know, coaching stability. Yeah, and speaking of the Oregon Ducks, hiring Dan Lanning, and today they went after Tosh Lupoy from the Jaguars, and I think that would be a really good hire for them. Florida was looking at getting Tosh for co-defense coordinator and defense line coach. Looks like he's going to Oregon. Props to them. Good hire there. Let's jump into another game. Uh, Go back to Tuesday. UCLA versus North Carolina State. Should be a real fun one. Chip Kelly's doing some pretty good things in his second year there. Zach Charbonnet's looking really good. Dorian Thompson-Robinson for UCLA. 
I think I do have North Carolina State in a close one, though. Pretty high scoring as well. Probably a 37-34 type game. Yeah, I think this is going to be an offensive shootout. I think this is a very underrated bowl game. Um, I mean, the Wolfpack, you know, you know, was in, up until the last season had a chance to play for an ACC championship. And UCLA, even though they had, you know, a lesser year, they still had some really exciting games throughout the year. I think this game could really be a great nightcap to a full day of football tomorrow. Absolutely, and let's jump into some of the New York New Year's Six games. And first one is Pitt versus Michigan State. And I've probably I hadn't decided who I'm going in this game. I think it's such a toss up. You know, Michigan State looked really, really good at the beginning of the year, dropping big loss to Ohio State. I think I do have them pulling this out with Kenny pick it out. I know Kenneth Walker's out as well, but I think Michigan State's the better overall team. I have them in a really close one. Yeah, but, I mean, you have Jordan Addison, you have the offensive mind, you have that explosive offense that um, – you have that explosive offense, but the biggest thing is you don't have Pickett. So I get that. But Michigan State is horrendous, horrendous, you know, on pass defense. So Yeah, it is, but I, I don't even know who their backup quarterback is, so – I mean, if he steps in and presses, if they'll probably light it up. If he's half of what Pickett is, they should win the game. They probably will, but he may not be. He may be terrible. I mean, if they're looking, they brought in Keaton Slovis, so he may, must not be too, too good. So we'll see about that. Um, the next game I want to talk about is, well, we'll jump to playoff games, but let's get to Arkansas and Penn State. I have Arkansas winning this one actually decently handily, probably about a 10-point win. What do you have? Yeah, I got K.J. Jefferson and the Razorbacks doing a lot of good, you know, offensive mind, offensive scheme. Um, Sam Pittman's a really underrated coach in the SEC. Anybody who knows, you know, who follows it will tell you that. I think his game plan will definitely be more consistent and more centrophobic, I mean, centrophocused to definitely compete against what James Franklin has. Because James Franklin had some problems this year in Penn State. Sean Clifford's coming back for another year, and I think Nittany Lion fans are just ready to see him leave. There's going to be a lot of questions going into this game because I think this is definitely going to set the you know the attitude for Franklin's next year, especially when he just signed that huge extension. Arkansas wants to be here. They have a lot to play for. This could be one of the biggest seasons in Arkansas recent history if this already isn't. Um, I think Arkansas should win this game by about 3-7. to seven. Yeah. All right, let's jump into Oklahoma State and Notre Dame. Notre Dame is a two-and-a-half-point favorite. They will not have Kyron Williams. Brian Kelly also out as coach, but Marcus Freeman will already be stepping in and coaching. I've got Notre Dame. I know they're missing players. Kyle Hamilton's out as well. But I just am not impressed at all by this Oklahoma State team. I don't think they're a top-ten team in the nation. I have Notre Dame winning this one. Still pretty close just because they're missing players. I have them in a – I'll go 30 to – no, not that high scoring because they do have pretty good defense. Uh, give me 26 to 20, Notre Dame. Yeah, I got Notre Dame, probably about seven. Um, Oklahoma State was a real, has a really good defense. They looked really good, you know, in the Bedlam game and leading into the Big 12 championship. But that Big 12 championship just left a nasty taste in my mouth. Um – they should have won that game handily, and they could have still won the game if the guy would have cut, you know, an inch sooner. But rough times. I like Oklahoma State. I just think Notre Dame might be a little better. I don't know where to go because I, I, I'm not trusting. I've seen what Oklahoma State can do, 
and I, I'm not confident in their ability, but I have no idea what Notre Dame can do. Yeah, yeah. and it's going to be hard with Kyron Williams out, who's one of their main focuses on offense. Michael Mayer's going to have to step up in the passing game. We'll see about that. The next one I think is going to be a really, really low-scoring game, but I actually have Kentucky winning this pretty handily. Kentucky and Iowa, they open up as a three-point favorite. I think Kentucky probably wins this around 27-7. to Never bet Iowa. Wildcats all day. Absolutely. All right, let's jump into two really, really fun ones, I think. And the first one is Utah-Ohio State. Ohio State's missing Garrett Wilson. We'll see what Chris Olave does. But they will have C.J. Stroud, Jackson Smith, and Jigba, and Travion Henderson, we know. So that will be really, really solid for them still. Utah's been playing some really good football, beat Oregon twice in the last couple weeks. So I have Ohio State winning in a very close one, really fun game, something like a 31-27. Yeah, I think I'm taking the upset here. I'm going to take the Utes. Um, I think Ohio State's going to have that mindset. Um of where they would just, they don't want to be there. You know, the mindset of, like, somebody could sneak up on them. I don't think Ohio State's got really anything to play for, especially with Michigan playing, you know, the night before. I don't, I just, I think Utah's going to pull it out. I, just, I think this team is really good. Um, they Kyle Whittingham is an underrated coach. You know, losing their two players um, in the past year, year and a half, you know, is just a big weight on this team, and it seems to be driving them, motivating them to do whatever is necessary to do best for the program. I think they're going to take that next step. I think they're going to win the Rose Bowl. Yeah, I wouldn't be surprised either team winning this one. I think it's going to be a great game. Both are really good football teams, and both are going to be really good next year. And the next really fun one I want to talk about is Baylor Ole Miss. You know, Matt Crow is playing for Ole Miss. I have Ole Miss just because of that. Ole Miss is a one-and-a-half point favorite. I would have them winning actually a little more than this. Give me Ole Miss 34-24. to I don't know where to go in this game. <laughs> Baylor is just such a – they're such an enigma. Never, you never know what Baylor team you're going to get. I mean, Gary Bohannon sometimes looks like an all-star quarterback. He and his offense look like they could beat anybody on the field. And then other times they lose to TCU. <laughs> I think I am going to take Ole Miss here just because Matt Corral is really, really good. A lot and, better than Bohannon or the other kid who yeah. played in the – what was the kid's name played against Oklahoma State? Looked really good to me. Can't think of his name. Give me a minute. It doesn't matter, but I think I am going to take Ole Miss close, 24-21 type game. Blake Shapen, he's going to be solid next year. He's a freshman this year. Watch out for him next year. And let's get, in, get into the two playoff games real quick. Cincinnati-Alabama. Is the first one three thirty Friday? I have Alabama winning this one. I think it's going to be closer than what a lot of people expect. The line's thirteen and a half. I think I have Alabama like a thirty-eight to twenty-seven to thirty top win somewhere in there. I think Cincinnati's a really good football team. They've got one of the best, if not the best, secondary in football with Kobe Bryant and Sauce Gardner. Sauce Gardner is going to be a first-round draft pick. This Cincinnati team's being slept on. I think that they're going to be able to put some points up, but I think Alabama prevails with Bryce Young, all their playmakers. I know Mechie's out, but Jamison Williams is still there, who's absolute beast. What are your thoughts and pick? This game is going to be closer than people think. I, I might take Cincinnati to cover the spread. I mean, 13 and a half points is a lot. Um, not saying that Alabama can't win this game comfortably, and I will expect them to, but... 
13 and a half points is a lot. I would probably take Alabama by 10. Late pull away game. Cincinnati's going to be in it the whole way. Um, I think they're definitely going to come out and shock some people. I think Ritter's going to have a good game. Uh, Jerome Ford is the running back. I, I think so. Yeah, that's yeah. his name. He's going to run, I think, for a decent enough game. Um, not great, but decent enough to keep him in it. I'd probably take Alabama 34 24, something like that. Yeah, I think the two main things in this game, I think Jerome Ford has to have a big game for Cincinnati. I think they're going to have to establish the run early because if they make Desmond Ritter try to win this game, I don't think it's going to work out well for them. But if they establish the run early, open up with some play action for Ritter, I think it could work out well for them. On the other side, Bryce Young and Jamison Williams have to find a way to match up against that this great secondary that they have. Somebody else is going to have to step up in the passing game as well, whether it's Slay Bolden, Jaleel Billingsley, Ja'Cory Brooks, and uh, the freshman, I can't think of his name right now, played early in the year, Ajayi Hall. Ajayi. So somebody else is going to have to step up for them. But I think they will be able to pass some. I think Bryce Young will make a mistake every now and then, maybe even throw interception. But I do have Bama winning this one. And who will they face is the question between Georgia and Michigan. I think this game is going to be a lot closer than people think as well. I think it's going to be really low scoring. I would be surprised if either team scores more than about 24. That's why I think it's going to be a close game, very low scoring. The over-under is 45 right now. I would take the under. The question is going to be, can Cade McNamara open up some plays in the passing game like Alabama did against Georgia last week? If they cannot, Georgia's defense will probably shut down the run game pretty good. Even though Michigan has a two-headed monster in Hassan Haskins and Blake Corum, both really good backs. Haskins has almost 1,300 yards on the year and 20 touchdowns. But we all know that front seven for Georgia is absolutely stout. And on the other side of the ball, can Georgia establish a great run game against this great defense? It's the number one, two, one and two scoring defenses in the country. Can Stetson Minute pass on this defense? I, I think Aiden Hutchinson's going to give him a really hard time, an absolute nightmare in the backfield. I have Georgia winning this one in a really close, low-scoring game, something like a 20-17 to 17 type game. Yeah, um, well, there's there's two keys the Georgia Bulldogs got to do. They got to stop 97, and they got to stop the running attack. And uh, I will say this: I'm not super worried about Aiden Hutchinson. He's a really good person. He's going to get to us at least one or two times. But Jamari Saylor is going to be blocking him. Jamari Saylor has given up one sack in his career. It was last week when he was hurt, or last game. I don't think Hutchinson's going to run over Saylor. Now, if they move him over and he has to play Broderick Jones, that could be a problem. But if you could keep, if you if if Aiden Hutchinson plays his traditional side and is matched up with Saylor, that's going to be a really tough matchup for both sides. I'm not saying Saylor's going to have an easy day, but Hutchinson's not just going to waltz in there and run around Saylor, or at least he shouldn't, from what I've seen in the past. The running attack on both sides of the ball will set the principle. I don't think Georgia has to outrush Michigan, but they have to stay in pace with them. Yeah, absolutely. They, and they're probably not going to outrush them because, you know, that's most of Michigan's offense. They're not going to throw for 300 against this Georgia defense. But if they could establish a run, they're probably going to run for 200. And will Georgia run for that on the other side? Probably not, but Georgia's also going to pass for more problems. If Georgia can run for 125, 150, they should win this game. 
Probably. You know. Um, with all of that being said, another question, you know, JT cleared COVID protocols this morning. Both quarterbacks will be healthy and available as of right now for the game. Stetson's the starter. Definitely will start. I'm not I'm not gonna argue that. But I don't think it's out of the question that JT will show up in the game if Stetson starts to perform poorly. I don't think you will. I don't think if we saw him in the Bama game, I don't think we're seeing him at all this year unless there's an injury to Stetson. And, and I and I get the mindset, and I understand. I'm not questioning Kirby's call. I mean, a lot of people want to say JT should start. If JT should be starting, he would start. There's, I mean, that's just point blank, period. But we've seen it work multiple times in the past with Alabama. If you're losing the game, if he's playing poorly, and we still stick with Stetson and fall on that sword – that's a coaching problem and not a performance problem at that point. Um, but, you know, I don't think it's going to come to that. I think Stetson's actually going to perform pretty well. Will he probably make a mistake in the form of an interception or a really bad missed pass? Absolutely. That's what he does once every game. It's just what you have to learn to live with um, as a Georgia Bulldog fan this year. I've got Georgia, I've got Georgia by seven. Um, I'd probably take them um, 28, 20, 28. Um, 21, 24, 17, somewhere in that realm. Um, I would, I would quietly take the over as in like very close, like very, very close. Um, you know, like if the over is 45, we score 48 points. (laughs) So, you know, like a 27, 21 type game, 28, 21. So... Go dogs, and then in a proverbial national championship, we'll talk about that. Later. Yeah, we're not even gonna get into that. It's way too early. We may pick Bama, Georgia, and it could be Cincinnati, Michigan. So, yeah. not even gonna get into that. And the last thing I'll talk about in college football is all the bowl cancellations. You could name them all off the top of my head. I know the military bowl with East Carolina and Boston College is being canceled. Some of them have been moved around. You know, you can name them off if you want to. But what are your thoughts on the the bowl cancellation? It's a it's a really scary trend. But you know, we we saw the Hawaii bowl get canceled last week. We saw the military bowl between um, East Carolina and Boston College go down. We saw the Fenway Bowl, which was going to be played at the Green Monster in Boston, um, Fenway Park. We, that was between Virginia and SMU. They went down. We saw the Central Michigan versus Boise State Barstool Bowl get canceled today. Um, the Sun Bowl had a problem with Miami, Florida pulling out versus Washington State. Central Michigan went out by Washington State in the um, Sun Bowl. Kind of confused why Memphis, SMU, or um, East Carolina are not getting an opportunity to you know play in a bowl game even though they qualified for it. And Rutgers at five and seven is going to get to play in the Gator Bowl. I know that happened previously, you know, before all this happened. But you know, if they would make that. Uh, I guess, ability for Rutgers to play in that game. Why are these three eligible teams not getting to play in something or at least the opportunity to um, in question with that? But I think this is a scary trend. I don't think this is going to stop anytime soon. Um, There's five games already canceled. There's five games tomorrow. There's a chance one of them... Um, gets canceled as the you know new I, and it's really gonna suck when a big game gets canceled you know if the Rose Bowl has to cancel or if the Peach Bowl has to cancel or the Alamo Bowl or the Outback Bowl or, you know goodness heavens if a if a playoff game has to be canceled you know that could be really worrisome you know as we move on but all of these things um, COVID has definitely become a problem with the Omicron variant spreading. Um, it's very, it's not, it's not as deadly from what I've heard, but it's very rapidly contagious. Um, so it's a problem if it gets into your locker room. Yeah. All right. Well, let's jump into the NFL real quick. 
And the first game I want to talk about is the Green Bay Packers, who moved to 12-3 and three and looked like arguably the best team in football, win in a very close one to the Browns. The Browns dropped to 7-8, and eight, have pretty much just about dropped out of the playoff race. They're still in contention, you know, if a lot of pieces fall their way. But Baker Mayfield throws for 222, two touchdowns, but has four interceptions. Just look absolutely terrible. Nick Chubb runs for 126 and a touchdown, looks really good, continues to be that top five running back we think he is. But what are your thoughts on this game, and do you think it's time to move on from Baker, from Baker Mayfield? Because I do think it is. I do. Um, I don't think he's out of the league or no, even really have, a backup quarterback somewhere. No, he's a starter. I, I just think his time in Cleveland is, is done. I think there just needs to be a trade. I saw a mock trade the other day, a Derek Carr for a Baker Mayfield. I mean, some other pieces on whoever side you think is getting the unfair deal. Um because I've seen it both ways. Like I'd rather have Carr. Yeah, but I've, some people said they'd rather have Mayfield just because... They of, still believe in him, and he's young. Because of Carr's huge contract, too. Yeah. So, with all that being said, something like that, a, tr- a starter-for-starter trade, I know that's rarely happens in the NFL, but, you know, that could be um, a genuine, you know, you know, good move for both sides. Um, but, yeah, I think the Browns... They're going to miss the playoffs again. They're going to be at home with Baker Mayfield, as the blue commercial says, and Baker might be out of, out of a home in Cleveland. All right, well, the next game I want to talk about it was the other one on Christmas Day, and the Colts win in a close one again over the Cardinals, 22-16. The Colts improved to 9-6, while the Cardinals have been on a little bit of a losing streak here and dropped to 10-5. They do not look like the team that we saw at the beginning of the season. Carson Wentz goes for 225 and two touchdowns, has a decent game, one of his better of the year. Kyler Murray goes for 245 and a touchdown, also runs for 74 yards, looked really good running the ball. Jonathan Taylor, though, is the guy I want to talk about. Has 108 more yards, and I think that he should be in the MVP conversation, and he actually would be my MVP if I had the vote. I know we usually don't feel that way about running backs. But tell me where the Colts are if you take him off the team. They're nowhere near. Absolutely. Carson Wentz is terrible. I like the guy. He has not looked good at all this year. I think Jonathan Taylor's carrying this whole offense. You take him off, they go from 9-6 and six to probably like a 6-9 and nine team or something around that. So what are your thoughts on what I just said about Taylor being in the MVP conversation? What are your thoughts on either of these teams? No, it's – yeah – Taylor should have an MVP vote. He'll get some MVP votes. And right now, I mean, he's got to be the MVP. I mean, who else are you going to give it to? I understand Brady and Rodgers are having great years, but either of them are not game changers for their team. I mean, who else? You're not Cooper Cup is the only other option. That's the only other person I can think. But, you know, there's so many, you know, weapons for the Rams. I feel like if Cup wasn't on that team, Van Jefferson or Odell, Rob, uh, Odell or even Robert Woods before he got hurt, could have played that role pretty well, you know, with Stafford slinging the ball behind that offensive line. I, I, I think it's J- Jonathan Taylor, and I think it's not close. I, I think it is close because I think what Aaron Rodgers is doing with the Green Bay Packers is really impressive. While they're a good football team, if you take Rodgers off, as we saw when Jordan Love stepped in, how bad that was. I think Rodgers means a ton to this team. But the next game I want to talk about is Joe Burrow and the Bengals absolutely dominate the Ravens. You know, I thought this was going to be a much closer game. Josh Johnson stepping in at quarterback for the Ravens and doesn't play bad. Throws for 304, two touchdowns, the interception. But man, did Joe Burrow go off. He is a bad man. Goes for 525 and four touchdowns. Joe Mixon has 
65 yards and touchdowns. Well, T. Higgins and Jamar Chase step up mightily in the passing game. T. Higgins has been playing really good of late. He had 194 yards and two more touchdowns to add to his great season so far. What are your thoughts on the Bengals team? Are they a contender? I think they're they're definitely I, – I told you a couple weeks ago I picked them to win the division. I think they're going to end up doing just that. Um, I think they'll win wild card weekend, but um, come divisional weekend, have a tough matchup and probably have a close – kind of like the Browns last year versus the Chiefs. Very close game, very good game, but just not going to be able to do it. Um, so really like what Zach Taylor and the Bengals have created up there in Cincinnati. Um, can't wait for Joe Brady to get hired this offseason to really just sell everything in the LSU trio. Um, but I, I think the future is bright for the Bengals. Uh, Who they Nation is definitely going to have some playoff wins in the future. All right, and the next game I want to talk about is one of the biggest upsets we've seen all season, and it was the Texans over the Chargers. You know, last week we got a really big one, the Lions over the Cardinals. This week we get another big one. Davis Mills actually looked like a serviceable quarterback. Went for 254 and two touchdowns, so they may have something they like in him. Rex Burkhead went off on this defense, though. Rex Burkhead. You heard me right. Yeah. Uh, went for 149 and two touchdowns. Justin Herbert struggled a little with two interceptions. Still throws for 336 and a touchdown. They were missing Austin Eckler, but Justin Jackson stepped in, played really well. 64 yards on in two touchdowns. He also had eight receptions for 98 yards. I think it's time to halt the brakes on this Chargers team. You know, at times early in the year, we were thinking, I don't know about Super Bowl contender, but late playoff push possibly. I think it's time to halt the brakes on that a little bit. What are your thoughts? Yeah, Justin Herbert and Brandon Staley show they're still young. You know, we talked about it a little bit last week with the with the fourth down decisions versus the Chiefs. You know, they're gonna they have they're talented enough to compete, but they still need some seasoning. You know, in the league before they get into really competitive nature. They're probably a year away, maybe two, from being serious Super Bowl contenders. But what they're building is going to be phenomenal unless injuries or money disputes mess it up. Uh, that team's definitely going to have a bright future. But just this year, it, it, it got away from them. Their youth started to show and pulled away. But, you know, bright future just this this sense of the year. Absolutely. And the last game – or the game we had last night, the Cowboys and the football team – you know, I thought this was actually going to be a decent football game. It was never a close football game. The Cowboys absolutely dominated, went 56-14. to 14. It was 42-7 to 7 at halftime, if I believe correctly. Yeah, that. Dak Prescott throws for 330 and four touchdowns, barely even played in the second half. You know, Amari Cooper had a good game, CeeDee Lamb. Michael Gallup, uh, Heineke, Heineke struggle for the football team, threw for 121, a touchdown, two interceptions, was only 7 of 22. Jarrett Patterson was their leading rusher over Antonio Gibson. That's never a good sign. This game was just a blowout from the start. What are your thoughts on this Cowboys team, and are they a Super Bowl contender? I don't want to call them a Super Bowl contender just yet. Really great performance, really great game. The offense was Absolutely, one of the best offensive performances out of an NFL team that I've seen in years. But I just, there's just something about this. Now Washington was was running a practice squad. We have to understand that the team is already not talented that much, and they were running, you know, the freaking recreation department from Landover, Maryland, out there, um, you know, to play this game. COVID had shricken this team on the road. You know, rough, rough showing for the football team. Um, 
I'm going to call it a lot of questions that Ron Rivera had to ask this morning, probably. But I don't want to call him a contender just yet, especially in the NFC when you've got the Buccaneers, you've got the Packers, you've got the Rams, you have the Cardinals. Are the Cowboys that caliber a team to you? No. And here's the next question. I want to ask you, what are your top five teams in the NFL? Because I just did a whole article on it. If you'll go to our website and check it out, I had the the I had the Chiefs at one who have been playing absolutely phenomenal football. I had the Packers at two who have been playing really good. The Buccaneers at three who are a little banged up, you know. At four, who was four? I know the Cowboys were five. The Cowboys were my fifth team. That's where I'm going at, though. And I do not think that they're a Super Bowl contender, really. Could they surprise people and win it? I guess so. I don't believe it, though. I also... Oh, I had the Rams at four. But those top four teams, the Rams, Packers, Chiefs, and Bucks, I think your Super Bowl team is in those four. And... If I had to pick right now, it would be the Chiefs because they're playing unreal right now. But the Cowboys just been inconsistent on offense. Yes, they look really good, but Zeke, you know, he's one game he'll have 20 yards. Then the next game he's running for 150. Dak seems like the exact same lineup. One game he's throwing for 150 and two interceptions. The next game he looks like Superman throwing for 330 and four touchdowns like he did this past week. The defense... While they are the seventh best scoring defense in football, they are 23rd in yards per game, which I think could come back to bite them. You know, maybe they're just real stifling in the red zone right now. That may not carry over for the whole season or into the playoffs. If you go and look at our article, I went into that a lot. I think they are not a Super Bowl contender, but what are your top five teams in the NFL? All right, I'm going to start off with the Red Hot Chiefs. Um, I think it's um, crazy not to have them at one right now. Now, do I have them winning the Super Bowl? No, but I think they are number one in the power rankings as now. Number two, I'm also going to take the Green Bay Packers. I think they're Aaron Rodgers is playing really good. They're they're going to probably get the buy in the NFC at this point. Um, that buy is going to help them a lot. But I do have the Packers at number two. For number three, I'm going to leave you with the Rams. I think the Rams are a really talented team. I think the Rams can do practically anything they want to when Matthew Stafford and the offensive line are playing at their potential, which they definitely can in the future. So I'm going to leave the Rams at three. I'm going to take the – what was I going to say? Bucks. Bucks, yes. Bucks at four. Sorry, I'm eating a pistachio, guys. I'm going to take the Bucks at four because even though they're banged up, they should get healthy right in time for the playoffs, kind of cruise in uh, that wild card weekend, have an easy win. Uh, set up for a great matchup in the divisional round. And for the five, I'm going to put the Cardinals. Um, I know they're slipping right now. I know they're having some rough moments, you know, going on a losing streak. Cliff Kingsbury and Kyler Murray are having to answer some questions they really can't, you know, logically answer. This team's really talented. They started off as hottest team in the year. They're going to be able to put it back together, and I think they're going to be able to make a deep run in the playoffs. My thing about them, though, is the defense has been struggling for them. And on the other side of the ball, I get they have some tremendous pass catchers. But DeAndre Hopkins does not look like the D-Hop of past. A.J. Green, we all know, is old, washed up, retired, or should retire. Rondell Moore has looked like a bright spot, but he's not your, He's not even probably a number two receiver yet. Christian Kirk, you know, good, fast guy, but nothing special. 
I just think the passing game is not there, not good enough to be a Super Bowl contender, and that's why I don't have the Colts in my top five as well. Same thing with Carson Wentz and their playmakers. Michael Pittman looks good, but outside of him, they have absolutely nothing. So that's why I don't have either of them in my top five. All right, with that being said, we're going to move into our hot take segment. Bryson, what do you've got for this upcoming weekend? A lot of good football, a lot of good basketball. Yeah, and I've been thinking of this one for a while. And I think I have Jerome Ford runs for 200 yards on Alabama in a loss. And I also, I'll, I'll give you another part of this hot take too. Jamison Williams has 200 yards as well. That would be unprecedented on both sides of the both sides of the ball, especially two hundred yards and a loss. Um, I think I'm gonna go in the other playoff game. I think, um, yeah, I'll say it. I my bold prediction is Hutchinson has zero sacks. I I really am confident in Jamari Saylor. You know, and now if they switch, it could be disastrous. But Broderick Jones has held his own. When he's been playing the other side, too. Justin Schaefer's been a really good All-American guard as well. This offensive line is stout. Did Alabama get to him? Absolutely. But Jamario Saylor was hurt. He's had three weeks to heal. He got rushed back for that game. Every other game outside of that, he has excuse me, never allowed a sack in his college career. He's a fourth year. He played four, and he's played minutes since his freshman year. He's a really good left tackle. Uh, the other side of the line is strong as well. Uh, the defensive coordinator for Michigan, I forget his name right off the top of my head, he's going to have to get creative with Hudgerson to use him. Agatis is the offensive coordinator. It's not him. Um, I was thinking it was, no, I was thinking it was Don Brown. Don Brown left. He's the head coach at is it UConn? Is that where he went? UMass. 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 Um, but, yeah, definitely um, going to be a stout battle of the trenches. Definitely going to decide the game. But I've got Hutchison going with zero sacks. Yeah, but here's one thing I do want to say. If you put all your attention to Aiden Hutchinson, watch out for David Ojabo. He's an absolute stud as well. This Michigan defense is really good. Georgia's equally as good, if not better. So, um, sorry, the air conditioner or something just turned on, scared us. But uh, that's really all we have. Any last words? Uh, Go Hawks. They definitely need it right now. I would say go Falcons, but it's, it's a lost cause at this point. Go Braves, go Hawks, go Falcons. Go Hawks.